This is recording number 10774 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Vallejo, California. This message was recorded on Sunday morning, July 13, 2008, and is titled, When Your Balloon Bursts. Dealing with Disappointment. get to the book of 2 Timothy, turn to the very first chapter, chapter 1, and we're going to start reading at uh, verse 3 and continue on, although we probably won't read all of the verses, we're going to go all the way through verse 12. When I was about seven years old, I, um, at least that's the best of my recollection, but when I was about seven, year old, seven years old, I had one of these little electric cars, you know, battery-operated uh, little car. Now, back in my day, they weren't remote-controlled or anything like that. You just put batteries in them, push the little button, and they would go. they just go straight, you know, zzz, you know, you try to catch up to it. <laughs> but um, I had one of these little cars, and as boys are wont to do, I tore it apart. You know, I always want to try to figure out what's going on inside of these things. So I tore it apart, and I found that there's a little electric motor in there. And when you hook the battery up to it, it just you know, turned around. I thought, oh, it's not magic after all. There's actually mechanics involved in this. And I figured it out that if I had a, you know, an electrical source, I could make this, this motor work. And uh, now my, I was really into uh, military games and stuff like that in those days, playing you know, uh, Army Man and all that. I'd get in my backpack and, my, and my, I'd go out in the field and pretend I was, you know, general so-and-so. But anyway, uh, I got this idea in my mind. My dad had all these little, they were about two foot, probably by three foot, um, I don't know where he got them, little panels of uh, uh, plywood. They may have been like, uh, you know, cabinet doors or something like that. He had a whole pile of them anyway. And they were uniformly shaped and sized. And I'm laying in bed at, at night and I'm thinking about this little motor and my dad's little pieces of wood, and I started to imagine that I could build a tank. I could put all these boards together and make this tank. I could put, and then I thought, oh, there's this old um, stroller chassis, our old stroller in the garage I could use for a chassis. I could put this big, you know, wooden box on, a, on the stroller chassis, and then I could use my little electric motor and power my tank, and I could drive around all over town in my tank. And oh boy, it was this dream in my mind was elaborate and specific, and I was getting so excited. And I got up the next day, and I started hammering all these boards together and, and everything, and I tried to assemble it. And you know, I just had no concept of the fact that this little tiny electric motor was not going to be able to push the, push the mass of this big box around all over town. And even if it could, can you imagine what sort of havoc and damage I would have caused? And uh, when, I finally, when it finally occurred to me that this was a dumb idea and that it wasn't going to work, I was very disappointed. Very disappointed. Um... And that's what we're going to be talking about today. When your balloon bursts, dealing with disappointment. 
You know, there was another time, much later, um, I was in my, my uh, mid-twenties, and I, Sue and I were getting ready to start or plant or pioneer, whatever term you want to use, our first church in a city of Pleasanton in the East San Francisco Bay. And we were looking for a place to live. We were moving there from another East Bay community where we had been serving on the staff of a church and we were going to uh, plant this church in Pleasanton. So we were looking for a place to live. And we were checking, they didn't have, uh, they didn't have um, uh, what's that guy's list? Craig's list in those days. And so we actually used the newspaper want ads, you know, and we were trying to find a, a place to, to, to rent, to live. And we had a certain budget and we found a, a listing for a place within our budget and it just sounded so spectacular. It sounded like the most perfect place you could possibly imagine for our little family. We, uh, if you haven't ever really been to that city, then uh, you may not un- realize that in the downtown area of Pleasanton, it's, a, it's an old, uh, it's one of the oldest uh, Bay Area cities, and uh, there's a, a, you know, it's tree-lined streets, this very quaint village kind of atmosphere in the, in the down, heart of downtown Pleasanton. And this house was a, a restored Victorian on one of these classic streets that Sue and I used to drive through when we were, you know, just scouting out the community and think, oh, what if we could live there, you know? And uh, turned out this was a house for rent in that section. It was a restored Victorian and uh, it was in our price range. And we thought, man, this has got to be it. What's the address? Let's call and find out about it. Well, now, <clears throat> we were getting ready to start the first four-square church in Pleasanton. First four-square church. Now, get this. The address was 444 First Street. <laughs> and I thought... What did I say? Four, 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 four square, four, 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 first street. And I thought, this is, this is a no brainer. This is God. This is absolutely God. It has to be right. And so we got in the car, drove over there and we actually called first to make an appointment to, to see it. And the lady gave us directions. We went over there, got out of the car, all excited, beautiful place. We started to walk up to the porch and the, the owner came out with some other people. And they all had smiles on their faces. And that didn't look good to me. And uh, so I said to the lady, I said, well, we're here. We're ready to see the house. Oh, she said, well, we just rented it. Don't you listen to God? What do you mean you just rented this? This is my house. 4444 First Street. (laughs) And uh, I could go on and tell you a story that's way too long to tell about how I I did everything in my power to try to... uh, to secure that the rental of that house and finally you know came to the to the end of all my efforts and we ended up what we doing what we thought was sort of settling for another another house cuz after that one nothing else seemed to be right you know it just did not seem to be right and we finally found a place that just was so so ho hum on a ho hum street and you know we moved in there and I'm and I was disappointed and to be honest, I was disappointed in God. Yeah, it just didn't make sense to me. I didn't understand that. 
You know, I, I will uh, just, I don't want to leave you hanging on that. I mean, it turned out that uh, I actually, this is such a long story, but anyway, that I know, I knew the, uh, a guy, you know, the first people that, that were going to rent that house, they backed out of the deal. I thought I was back in and the lady didn't want to rent to me. I don't know. The story is very long. But the guy who actually ended up renting that house was somebody I knew, a friend of mine. And I even tried to get him to back out of the deal and tell her to rent it to me. Yes, manipulation. But anyway, I met him. I ran into him about a year after all this took place. And he told me, Randy, he said, thank God every day you live that you did not move into that house. And by that point, we had realized the hand of God in the whole thing anyway. And our, the place where we thought was sort of ho-hum and, you know, we are just sort of settling for something turned out to be uh, such a, a wonderful home for our family. Our kids will still think of that as uh, one of the best places we ever lived. And I could tell you, you know, on and on about how uh, wise and wonderful and faithful God is. But I know what it's like when you feel like God has let you down or disappointed you. And so does Timothy. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to take a look at, the, at, uh, at uh, some verses here that talk about um, this whole issue. And then we'll, we'll be on our way home. Verse 3. Paul the Apostle is writing a letter to, to Timothy from a, a Roman uh, prison. I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. Paul is talking about the relationship that he has with Timothy, which was very, very close. They were like father and son. It was Paul who had led Timothy to the Lord, and they became partners in the ministry. And, and, uh, and Paul will refer to him in other places as and my son in the faith. And I don't have, he, he'll say, I don't have anyone who understands my heart and the things of, uh, the way I feel about the things of God as Timothy. They had a very, very close relationship. And he said, I'm desiring to see you. I'm being, I'm mindful of your tears. He's talking about the tears that Timothy shed at their last parting. That's how close and intense their relationship was. But I want you to recall, or just note to remind you that, remind yourself that as we move on that, um, Timothy shed tears at Paul's parting. Verse 3, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Verse 12. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. When he talks about that day, that's the day when uh, the, uh, this age is rolled up and the establishment of the eternal kingdom of God is known by all. 
He says, I, for whom are, are, I, I suffer these things because, uh, uh, but I'm not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and I'm persuaded, I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. You know, when we go through these times of disappointment, it's usually the result of our trusting in what we think God's plan is rather than in who he is. Have you ever caught yourself doing that? You get this idea of something that you think God is going to do and you just build this. It's almost like you can't help it. You just build this elaborate vision in your mind's eye. A tank that can roll through the streets with me at the wheel. You can't. You can't almost help yourself from, from allowing your imagination to go there. 44, 44, First Street. You know, you, 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 just, you just go there. But listen, dear one, it's a mistake. Because our walk, our Christian experience, our walk in God is not about, it's not about the what. It's about the Who. I know what I have believed and am persuaded. No, it doesn't say that, does it? I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able. Now, uh, Timothy here has experienced a disappointment. Very close working relationship with the Apostle Paul. They've been together through many, many experiences. But then there's a a departure. Paul leaves to go on to uh, uh, Jerusalem, we think. And leaves Timothy behind in, in Ephesus. And there's a tearful departure. And something of what, you can only imagine that something of what Timothy has envisioned for his life is changing what he'd thought about, how he had, you know, the, the track or the trail that his mind had projected of where his life was going to go was suddenly different now. And then besides that, at the time of this writing, the one who had meant so much to, to Timothy and the one who had been the, 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 the person who introduced him to faith is in jail. He's in prison. Certainly, Timothy is going through a period of disappointment. And the things that he had thought were going to happen are not happening. The scenario that he had constructed in his mind of God's will for his life is very different all of a sudden. And I can only imagine that, Paul, uh, that Timothy is wondering what I wonder in those situations. Where is God? And Paul says to him, don't be ashamed. And that means uh, don't allow your heart to become, uh, to, to, to withdraw, to pull back. Don't be ashamed. Yes, I'm, I'm in prison. But that has nothing to do with the authority or the power of God. In fact, I, I, we could go on this morning and talk to you about how Paul's being in prison in Rome um, furthered the advance of the gospel in, um, in monumental, exponential ways. 
But at the time, it certainly wasn't clear to Timothy that that would be the case. And Paul reminds him, don't pull back. Don't be ashamed. He said, you have not received the spirit of fear. You have not received the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Take a few minutes to talk about those things. Because disappointment, dear one, opens a door. It provides an opening in our lives for the spirit of fear to get a grip, of, a grip on us. I'll talk to you about why, and it's clear in the text. But let me just underline that once more, one more time. Disappointment. When we, find, when we are in those times, when we, invi- when we had a vision of what would be happening, and it's not happening... When things are not turning out the way we thought they would. That's a moment when we are susceptible to the spirit of fear. And what does the spirit of fear look like? Well, based on what uh, Paul tells Timothy, uh, the opposite is um, power, love, and sound mind, we can back into that and find out what the spirit of fear is and what it does. These things. Vulnerability. When you have experienced disappointment, when things have not turned out the way that you thought they would, the spirit of fear is there to tempt you with a sense of vulnerability. Vulnerability means, oh no, if this didn't work out, If this hasn't turned out the way I thought it would, then what can I really count on? Aren't I just sort of a sitting duck and every circumstance has an opportunity to derail my future? Have you ever felt that way? Vulnerable? The spirit of fear wants to grip our hearts with that vulnerability, that sense that we are are just a sitting duck. The economy goes south... You know, I could lose my job. Now, I could give you more illustrations, but that's that's a sense of vulnerability. You know, I'm just a sitting duck here. Vulnerability. The second thing that the spirit of fear does is it tries to tempt us to believe that we have been abandoned by God. And that for whatever reason, God got tired of us, upset with us, we never really mattered anyway, whatever, and we're, we've been tossed aside. The third thing is confusion. Now I don't know what to think. I don't know what to do. I don't, the map of my life has gotten very, very fuzzy now. This disappointment can lead to an opening for the spirit of fear to grip our lives with these things, vulnerability, abandonment, and confusion. But Paul says, you have not received the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Let's talk about the spirit of faith. This is the spirit we have received. Power. Read with me from Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10 on the on the count of three. One, two, three. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. 
I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We are not sitting ducks. We are not vulnerable to every wind of disaster. We have been given the Spirit of God, the Spirit of faith, the Holy Spirit, who is power. And this verse from Isaiah 41 just simply undergirds that, supports that truth. That we have been, in fact, it tells us that the Lord will uphold us with his righteous right hand. The spirit of faith is the spirit of power. It's also the spirit of love. We have not been abandoned, dear one. <laughs> you, you have not been abandoned. Even though you, you have experienced disappointment, you have not been abandoned. You are loved. Read with me again aloud. Let's read it together from Jeremiah 31.3. Ready? Here we go. The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying... Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. The third thing about the spirit of faith, the Holy Spirit, the, the spirit we have been given, is that we are not, we are not to live our lives in confusion. We have been given a sound mind. Spirit of fear. The spirit of fear wants to cause us to live in that fuzzy, foggy, uh, indecisive place. But we, we have not been given that spirit. We've been given a sound mind. Read with me from James chapter 1 verse 5. Here we go. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. You know, um, I, I, I walked into uh, Costco the other day, and I, I'm not intending to buy a, a new television, although there, there certain is an awful, certainly is an awful lot of pressure to do so these days. And I just started, I was just looking at them. Honestly, that's... Uh, but I don't know, I mean, and I've been trying to learn about the technology because I just, even though I'm, I'm not in the market for a television, I'm really not, honestly. I'm not. <laughs> I just want to know about the technology. I mean, HDMI and DVI and, you know, 1080p and 780i and there's all this stuff and you just kind of think, what are, you know, plasma and LCD and on and on. So, anyway, I'm, I'm trying to learn the technology whether I buy a television or not. And uh, so I was just kind of reading specs and looking. And, and, you know, thank God there's not a whole lot of pressure at Costco. You know, you don't get swarmed by salespeople. But still, you don't want to look like an idiot, you know. So I just kind of, I'd look for a little bit and then I'd move on. And then I'd come back and I'd look for a little bit and then I'd move on. And then I'd come back and I'd look for a little, you know. Mainly because I don't, that's what, like I said, I don't want to look like a fool. I should know these things. I should understand the difference in the, and the pluses and minuses between plasma and LCD and, you know, all of that stuff. Sometimes when we, when we come to God and ask him for wisdom, we think that he's going to treat us the way 
I just described. Like, how long have you been a Christian? Shouldn't you know these things already? But this verse tells us God gives liberally. When we ask for wisdom, he gives liberally. And he doesn't doesn't mix reproach with it. And that simply means he doesn't make us feel bad for not knowing. God wants for us to have the wisdom that we need to navigate life. And he's not holding it back. And he's not going to make us feel bad because we don't know. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. We have been given a sound mind. We have not been given the spirit of fear, vulnerability, abandonment, and confusion. We've been given the spirit of faith, power, love, and a sound mind. Verse 12. I've said all of of this this morning because it's, it's really kind of preparation for... It all focuses in on verse 12 for me. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded. That's what faith is. I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded. Faith is not not about what. This is not a book about what. If you go looking through this book to find the what. You know, what do I need to do? How do I need to do it? What do I have to do to please God? What are the five and six and seven steps to this or that? You're not going to find that here. We try really hard. As a preacher, I try really hard to find the five or six real, you know, steps because it makes a nice sermon. But they're really not here. This is a book of relationship from cover to cover. It's messy. It's unpredictable. At least from the human side of things. It's a book of relationship. About people in relationship with God. It's about the whom. Not the what. I know whom I have believed. And am persuaded. When that grips your soul, disappointment becomes less an issue. Because it doesn't really matter if what I imagine actually becomes reality. I can trust that the one who holds my life in his hand and who has a plan for me is going to be faithful to keep his plans for me. And when my imaginings differ from his plans for me, I can let my imaginings go and trust in his plans. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he's able. 